Authenticity is great. If you can fake that, you've got it made. You should act confident even if you aren't. And if you're doing product management right, your confidence level will always be uncomfortably low at all times. You can act confident and get most of the benefits of actually being confident. This is proven by science. And it's a good thing, too, since the nature of what we do as product managers is that we live in uncertainty. We are rarely highly confident of our decisions. If we're working on important stuff, we're usually at the edge of knowledge, the boundary between the known and the unknown. But we often have a dilemma because our audience, our developers, our investors, our prospects and customers, is much more likely to trust someone who is confident. And they don't like uncertainty. Unlike us, we tend to like uncertainty. So if we want to be persuasive, if we want to keep the audience on our side, we often have to present information as more certain than it really is and present ourselves as more confident in the outcome than we really are. Now, the reality is you usually do know more than anyone on the topic. It's just that you know that what you know is also highly uncertain. And yet to be persuasive, you have to present it as highly certain. It's contrary, opposite of common sense, anti-conventional wisdom. Hi, this is Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode 139 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. Before we move on, I'd like to mention two important things. First, as I discussed in episode 136, increasing your luck surface area, if you hang around with people who are positive and supportive and always looking out for one another and open to new experiences, then you are more likely to perceive the world as full of opportunities and to be able to take advantage of them. That is, you'll be able to increase your luck surface area. Well, luckily, I have a great opportunity for you to start surrounding yourself with those kinds of folks at my weekly Secrets of Product Management meetup. It happens on Friday morning, specific time at 8 a.m. If you'd like to attend, it's free. Go to secretsofpm.com meetup and get on the notification list. That's the only thing I use that mailing list for, reminding people about the meetup. Again, that's secretsofpm.com meetup. And if you are thinking, how can I improve my product management skills and start having more impact in my work and my career, it might be time to talk to me about my 12-week coaching program, which I call Product Manager Grad School. This is a personalized tutorial and coaching program where you will learn and apply the types of power skills I talk about on this podcast, from storytelling and persuasion to the minimum viable product knowledge that's critical for successful go-to-market to the specific tools you need to crush your day-to-day challenges. So go to pmgradschool.com to sign up for a free consultation call slash coaching session. That's pmgradschool.com. Or check the show notes for all these links and more at secretsofpm.com. So when I tell people to act confident, even if they aren't, they say, but that won't be authentic, and authenticity is super important. Well, yes and no. As I started this post with, authenticity is great, and if you can fake that, you've got it made. That's a famous quote, probably from George Burns originally. There's a few reasons for why I'm a little bit contrarian about authenticity. First of all, when everyone, from non-expert to expert, parrots the same line, I tend to distrust it, and that's the line about you must be authentic. It's become conventional wisdom, and conventional wisdom is often based on reality, but it's diverged at some point. Second, I'd like you to think about what is authentic. Think about a great movie performance that we love. We say that the star is giving an authentic, realistic performance. But we know that they are not authentic. They are playing a part, literally. That's what acting is. You know, they're not really that person that we see on the screen. They might be somewhat like that person, but they are definitely not that person. 
The words they say are not their words. The way they say them is not their decision, at least not theirs alone. Now, for a great scene, they might have tried saying their lines tens of different ways just to get the right feeling. Is that authentic? Well, it sure seems authentic, right? But in reality, it's a show. It's a play. It's literally an act. That person goes back to the trailer and for a moment becomes their actual authentic real self. And chances are we don't really want to see that person. Well, they might still be beautiful, probably are if they're a movie star, but their actual authentic self is likely to just be a normal person. And if they're really stars, then maybe their actual authentic self might have become a caricature of a real person, which I guess can happen to people who are adored and have a lot of money, as we all know. Plus, finally, we're all imposters anyway, right? I mean, everyone, nearly everyone, feels like they aren't quite where they're supposed to be for someone in this position, whatever the position is. And so everyone is always feeling like an imposter. And if you're going to be authentic about that, basically you're going to be a whiner. And that's not very good. That doesn't help you be more persuasive or get people on your side. So there's a lot of reasons to sort of discount this idea of authenticity, at least directly, and step up to the idea of, oh, if I'm going to be effective at my job, I have to be confident about what I'm saying, even if in reality I'm not as confident as I might want to be. So remember, at this point, it's not just about confidence. It's about the well-known litmus test for product managers as well. Product managers must know everything, be the expert, exude confidence, and be perfect. Given that slightly tongue-in-cheek litmus test, let's drill down on a specific situation where a lot of people have confidence challenges, and that is when you're giving a presentation and someone asks you a question that you don't know the answer to, right? So we have this litmus test. We're supposed to know everything. We're supposed to be experts. Obviously, we're supposed to be exuding confidence, and we're supposed to be perfect. So what do we do? Well, there's a very fantastic decision-making hack that kind of leads us down the direction of how to deal with this situation. It's very powerful, and it applies perfectly to the situation of, I've got a question I don't know the answer to. I learned the, t- the hack from Chip and Dan Heath's fantastic book, Decisive. I'll put a link to the book in the show notes. Definitely worth reading. And the bottom line is, the hack is there's never only one choice. It's never either or. There's always other options. Meaning, you might get a question you don't know the answer to, but that doesn't mean your only option is to say, I don't know the answer to it. There may be there are other things you can say. And that's what we're going to work on. Of course, you can say, I don't know, right, in response to the question. But you might add, but I'll get back to you. But even that's not your only option. You know, you might be thinking, well, I know the answer or I don't, but it's never either or. Maybe you know part of the answer. Maybe you know the question doesn't apply and you have reasons for not having done any research on that question. Maybe you thought about this question but haven't gotten enough information to know the correct answer. Or maybe you decided that the question, while interesting, wasn't important enough to put resources on answering in favor of using those resources elsewhere. And by the way, all of those are great ways to handle the question, right? Those are, those are the actual things that may have happened behind the scenes, but they also give you tools for answering the question. First of all, of course, you can always just say, I don't know the answer to that question. You could add, let me get back to you when I have a better answer. It's not really a crime or a major dereliction not to know the answer to a particular question. If it's a good question, you can put some effort later into getting more information and sharing it. Now, if you haven't heard that question before, you might also do some inquiry of the person asking. Why do you ask? 
help me understand how that relates to what I was talking about, or something like that. Or you can say, this is another alternative to saying, I don't know. You can say, well, that's a great question. I don't know the answer yet, but we've done some research on it, and my intuition is leading me to say X. But we'll know more when we get more data. So you may know part of the answer. Or you can say, we've considered that question. However, given the resources we have, we determined it was a better choice to put those resources on these other questions that are more critical. We might get back to your question later, but for now we're focusing elsewhere. Now, the beauty of all of these responses is that the audience will perceive you as a professional and an expert, even when you are admitting you don't know everything on the specific topic. So getting back to our litmus test, knows everything, is the expert, exudes confidence, and is perfect, all of these answers pass that litmus test. Even though you literally don't know everything, you just said, I don't know, you show that it's a decision you've made to direct your resources in a different direction, that you are still the expert despite not knowing everything, you have confidence in your responses, and that you've thought about their concerns in advance, even if you hadn't pursu haven't pursued the answer. So, summing up, here are five ways to respond to a question you don't know the answer to that allow you to maintain your appearance of confidence and authority and fulfill the litmus test for product managers. First, I don't know the answer to that question. You could add, let me get back to you when I have a better answer. Second, in our research, investigation, process, whatever, we haven't gotten to that question yet. You could add, would you like me to reach out when we have learned more? Third, we've explicitly excluded that area of inquiry from our research so far in favor of these other areas. That's a pretty bald way of putting that answer. You might want to be nicer when you answer in that way. And of course, you should only say that if it's true. Four, I don't know the answer to that question, but here's my educated guess. And then you share your educated guess. Often, as you answer the question, you'll realize you know more than you thought you did. And number five is really the same as number four, but without the caveat. You just share your educated guess with no conditions. Many times this will be fine. Now, I recommend using number one as the best all-purpose response to a question you don't know the answer to. That is, I don't know the answer. But all of the others work, and they all will help you give that illusion of being confident and of being responsible and knowing everything and passing the product manager litmus test. Here are three things you can start doing today to put these ideas into practice. First, accept that acting confident is best for everyone. Authenticity is important, but just like an actor, your job is to portray authenticity more than to share everything about yourself, including your lack of confidence. Second, make sure you're prepared to answer questions you don't know the answer to. I just gave you five ways to do that. And there's other ways as well. You can prepare in advance, think about the questions people are going to ask, and prepare answers to those even if you don't know the answer. And that really leads us into number three, which is learning to pre-handle objections. Now, I didn't really cover that idea in this episode, but this is the process of figuring out in advance what questions people will have and answering them proactively during your presentation. And there are really two goals here. One is to answer the questions your audience has but doesn't verbalize but also to address any objections they might have, but again, might not verbalize. Now, I share a whole set of techniques for doing this in episode 61 of The Secrets of Product Management, and you can find that and get the whole course or lesson or whatever you might want to call it. I don't think of it as a lesson, really, but there are a lot of techniques in that episode, so I recommend checking that out. So I hope you enjoyed this short little bit of advice on acting confident, thinking about authenticity, and 
that scary situation of answering a question you don't know the answer to in this episode of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. Don't forget about the Secrets of Product Management meetup. That's Friday mornings at 8 a.m. Get on the sign-up list at secretsofpm.com slash meetup. And if you are interested in getting some coaching or just talking about it, no obligation, check out pmgradschool.com and uh, set up a call with me. I'd love to talk to you about how to apply all these ideas that I talk about on the podcast. So you've been listening to episode 139 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. Hope you found this valuable and useful. Let me know what you thought. Let me know if you have some ideas for future episodes. I'd love to hear them. And until next time, this is Nels Davis. Bye-bye.